My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Because I'm, I'm young, people are like, why wouldn't you just hold on to that forever? But it's just like, I've done really well out of the deal. And in my mind, that market wasn't going to go any further for quite a while. If anything, I thought it was going to come back a bit because it was COVID-driven you know, acceleration. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Sam Gordon, owner and director of Australian Property Scout. 13 years after starting his property investment journey and nearly a year after his last update, he shares a status update of his portfolio. Plus, he has a fascinating case study and his secret to maintaining order in what many would consider an incredibly challenging role. The last time we caught up with Gordon, he was aiming to have 31 properties in his portfolio by 31 years old. Now, 32, he's back with an update that's sure to smash expectations. Having started investing when he was a teenager, his whole portfolio has been a long time coming and a lot has happened in the past 12 months. It's funny the different parts of the journey that kind of come into it as well because you, you, you go through your first, you know, if we're talking a large number of portfolio, right? You go through your first number, you hit walls and you hit, you hit roadblocks and whatnot and then you got to work around them and keep going. Um, and I think once you kind of get to this level, this is where it starts. It really snowballs. You've got different, you know, um, equity and serviceability and whatnot because of the portfolio and what it's already produced. Um, so, yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy year. It's, it's, uh, it's scaled at the moment. Uh, it's gone from the 31 um, by 31 to the 40 by 32. <laughs> so, it's been, a, it's been a wild year to say the least. I was going to say, it's like you didn't sound like you slept at all because <laughs> most people don't usually even buy one or two properties in a year you've yeah. gone ahead and bought nine additional properties in 12 months <laughs> that's it man that's it <laughs> what brought that on because i think when we last spoke uh you mentioned to me that okay i'm going to take a bit of a break i've achieved what i've wanted to and build a substantial portfolio which is substantial for most people out there having that many properties is you know a dream come true but for you you've taken it to this next level yeah. And it's amazing to be able to hear what you've achieved and done. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. <laughs> Look, I think I think the difference, um, like with with the, especially the past twelve months, 
obviously like I, I run the business right Australian property scout buyers agency so we we're sourcing property for people and whatnot it's the deals that kind of come across the desk that either people turn down or maybe they get crashed by a building and pest and like we've already gone through the process and thought it was a great deal and then you know everything's kind of come through and it's it's had these issues when these issues pop up that the average investor might not be able to take on or potentially even just for liability reasons it's just too big to, to let an, an investor and a client um, take that risk so then as, a, as those deals crash or as they come through and we know they've got those issues they're the sort of deals that I'll pick up for myself because I know the upside's there um, and I've worked on a lot of these deals before you know big structural renovations um, builds all that different sort of stuff so knowing how to rectify those issues and having the capital behind me as well to be able to take on those projects that's where a lot of it comes through because like it sounds it sounds crazy, but the volume of deals that we see come through the business and 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 turn down and also buy and everything as well, like it seems like a crazy number to buy in twelve months. But for us, like it's just like it's it's a deal every month or every month and six weeks or something that comes through. That's like it's a great deal, but there's just too much going on with it. And I was like, oh well, I may as well put it in the portfolio, you know. So <laughs> so it's, it's essentially just that, man. Yeah, it's because you're in the business day to day. So for you, it's like the norm. Whereas most investors, they're either working full time job or running a business and so forth, and they don't see these deals as frequently as you do. And you go, wow, you know, this is a great opportunity. I may as well, you know, make the most out of it. It's a crazy journey too. It's like we were talking before. Like it's just leveling up as you go through and all these different deals and the appetite for risk and and everything as well it all kind of comes into it and yeah mate it's it's been crazy crazy old run that's for sure (laughs) well i know nine properties is going to be quite a lot to talk about in an episode like this so rather than you know go through every single one let's pick out probably the top two that has been the most let's say challenging and uh maybe just talk about that because i'd love to be able to hear what these properties have done and also to understand how are you being able to, I guess, acquire these in such a tough environment? Because a lot of people are saying interest rates have gone up, um, inflation's very high, cost of building's gone up as well too, and lending is even harder nowadays compared to a lot. Obviously, in your situation, you've managed to do it, you know, because you've proven that you've purchased an additional nine. What, <laughs> what happened? You know, how did that come about? So. There's a lot of different things that kind of came into came into the equation, right? So um, I could see there was a few areas where I owned property, and I could see like they were kind of they were going to come off the boil. Um, let's say yeah, when when COVID was easing, I knew they were going to come off the boil because they were COVID-driven migrations, especially out of Sydney. Um, so I owned a lot of property southern south of Sydney, um, and so I saw those kind of markets changing. So there was a couple of I call them like big bopper deals, like um, properties that I'd done quite well on, um, and they had a huge amount of equity still in them. And to access that equity and to pull it out, like to pull it up and especially moving into a higher interest rate environment, I knew there was going to be a huge amount of additional costs associated with that. So instead, I was selling them down or I sold uh, one one down in particular that was the big one. I cleared about, um, it was... I cleared about 600 grand profit on it, but it was about $700,000 in terms of net equity. But then I also cleared the 600 grand debt that was associated with it. So when you're kind of wiping out these these big chunks of debt, but then also walking away with like a big bag of cash, essentially, like this big bag of profit, um, it allows you to have that capital to be able to roll into deals. And if you're rolling into deals with uh, with 20% deposits, especially if you're doing renos and stuff in cash as well and pulling it out, but you're increasing the yield, it's, it's moving through the environment like that. And this is where it's, we we spoke about this offline. Like it's 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 that snowball effect, right? It's it's not it's it's it can be hard to fathom starting out, kind of getting to this level. But it's you cut your teeth on so many different types of deals. You know exactly how they work. You put your twenty percent in at this level, um, and then you're executing with with cash and whatnot and refinancing it back out. 
if you've got an eight, nine, 10% yield on a deal you've just executed um, and you're still sitting at a reasonably low um, debt level as well because of what you've, you've done on the deal, then that's what, they, that's what the banks love and they love to see it. So it's, um, it's been a pretty, pretty crazy journey around all that sort of stuff. Uh, but that's essentially how, how it all moves along. And a lot of people are averse to, to selling property, um, especially like I'm 30, what am I now? 32, 30, I actually just had my birthday on Monday. So I'm, th- I'm 33. Thanks, man. <laughs> but, um, but you know, I, like, because I'm, I'm young, people are like, why wouldn't you just hold on to that forever? But it's just like, I've done really well out of the deal. And in my mind, that market wasn't going to go any further for quite a while. If anything, I thought it was going to come back a bit because it was COVID driven, you know, acceleration. So it's like, recycling the debt and, and pulling that equity back out just made sense to then go into the next phase of the portfolio. So it's making changes like that. That's what really, you know, can take things to a different level. And that's what I heard a lot of successful property investors who have been able to take that to the next level. They've had to make some hard decisions to sell either underperforming assets or, you know, take the profit from something that's really good at this point in time because of the market and then, you know, move on because I, I know a few investors who've also got substantial portfolios in the Sydney boom back a while ago, they sold their properties here and then took that cash to be able to reinvest back into Queensland before the you know boom up there happened. And you know they acquired quite a number of properties and they're much better off than holding just one property. So I did exactly the same thing. So I know exactly what you're talking about. It's 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 kind of like yeah, that velocity of money, the multiply. Like what are you doing with the? You can leave it in there, you know, and and it maybe do something for you, or you pull it out and put it somewhere else that is going to do something for you, and and keep multiplying and building. It's all about the compounding, right? Yeah. Leveraging it, and so you turn it from one to like you know nine. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Which is a better result, I think. I agree, mate, completely. And I guess in terms of average size of the deal, what kind of value are we sort of averaging in terms of these um, deals that you're purchasing, or they vary? They do vary. They vary a lot. So um, probably the bot- the bottom end of what I work in is kind of around, say, circa 300 grand. Um, a lot of the time, the 300 grand ones are the ones that I might be doing decent renos on as well to push them up to 500 grand reno, or, yeah, value or something post-reno, um, up to probably deals like in terms of purchase price and whatnot up around about 600. Um, so it kind of ranges between the three and 600. I, we invest in a lot of different markets, so I see a lot of different opportunities. Um, and yeah, it really just all depends what comes through and, and what you know, makes sense as well. And are you doing it all over Australia or do you focus on specific uh, states or markets at this point in time still? We buy all over Australia and I, and I invest all over Australia as well, but it, <clears throat> it's always specific markets within those locations. So at any one time, um, you know, there's different areas that are growing, there's different areas that are, that are, that are falling. Um, yeah, a lot of people have this, this thought or this view that the, the Australian market moves in this one direction. And yes, during COVID, the market kind of all went up. But now you're looking at in the, in the post-COVID sort of era and, and you look at last year in Sydney, Melbourne had significant falls. Even Brizzy, Brizzy came back a bit as well. But you look at other cities, you know, you've got your Adelaide's and your Perth and a lot of regionals and whatnot that actually had significant growth. Um, and, and if you actually drill down into the micro levels of it the cities look like they did about 10 to 15 but certain areas did 25 to 30 percent growth in a year where most of the country fell so it's um it's, i guess to answer the question we buy all over australia but it's 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 specific pockets that'll produce the best results is obviously what we're, we're focused on so really to try and find those ones that actually produce the results and yeah. obviously chasing those markets is probably the ideal thing rather than just you know sit and hold on one market and that's it definitely you spread the, spread the diversity so you, you're kind of always moving in, in different ways. So coming back then to say, let's just choose two of the properties. Which ones have you so far um, purchased this year that you're currently doing say, you know, maybe just talk a bit, bit of back, background about one or two of them that yeah. have been so far a reno or a structural, et cetera. Give us some background history on one of them. Probably the, I guess the biggest one, because I know we're talking about the big renos that we're doing and whatnot as well. Um, the biggest one was I bought, I bought these two properties side by side. Um, and one of them was in OK Nick and the other one was, was a, 
a bomb site. It was no good. I could, we couldn't believe people were actually living in there. Yeah, it, it, it was considered a knockdown. Um, so it went, it went under contract for um, for three fifty. They did the building and pest and, and crashed it. This was off market as well. Um, it was actually, it was sold to someone like internally within the office that I bought it from. Um, the building and pest came back and they crashed it and they brought it to me as a block of dirt. Um, <clears throat> and so I went and inspected it with my building and pest inspector and my builder and we went through it all and we worked out that we could we could essentially rebuild this house um, and the, the ballpark would have been somewhere between like 150 to 200, which isn't that far off a, a new build, right? When you build, you know, let's say a four by two, you're probably looking at around 300 to build something like a four by two. So you're still probably, you know, 100 to 150 less. But the difference is, this is in Queensland, right? In Brisbane, you do a deal like this and you rebuild and you have, you know, legal height underneath and you have essentially split level home and stuff. You can rent those for between 650 to 700. So I was looking at this deal going, well, I can rebuild this property. Yes, it's going to be a big chunk of change um, to rebuild it. But instead of knocking it over and building brand new, it was actually 100 grand in front and my rent was going to be circa. $200 per week more. So I was able to do this on that deal. So negotiated extremely hard on the building and pest, um, pretty much random through the model that I was going to be knocking down and rebuilding it. <clears throat> was able to knock a hundred grand. It was, a, it was circa like a hundred grand off the price of what this previous contract had been. And I bought that one for, for 250. So it was the craziest thing about it as well. The dude was in a bit of financial pressure. Like he was he was he was trying to get out of it quickly. Like he, he knew he was taking a haircut, um, <clears throat> but he needed to get out really quickly. He had a, a primary residence in Sydney and with big debt. Um, <clears throat> and the one that was next door to it, like he owned the two. So the other one was fine. It was a good little play. Um, but yeah, this one I bought for that. The craziest thing about this deal <clears throat> is it's actually an 800, it was, it was 814 square meter block, corner block. Corner block. So it's also strata title. So I'm going to strata title off a corner block and, uh, and, and build on that one as well. Uh, and then, yeah, own the other one. Um, so I'm trying to make the decision. We're running the numbers at the moment with the builders. Like, do I do, you know, whether, I, whether I'll build on this thing and, and sell it um, or whether I build on it, uh, build specific, purpose build and, and, uh, and hang on to it as a rental as well. So it's, it was a bit of an insane deal. Um, minimum, minimum rental yield, even if I hold the thing um, as is, is going to be around about 10 to 11% um, as, a, as a yield. So it's pretty strong, um, and it'll be there'll definitely be a few hundred few hundred grand in terms of uplift as well. But again, it's a it's a crazy deal, you know what I mean? Like it's it's we're not paying marker rate. We picked it up quite cheap, but then also being willing to to put that much into a reno um, that's that's fraught with a lot of possibilities on it as well. That's the challenge. A lot of people go, you must be crazy to put two hundred thousand into a reno if it's you know up in Queensland, you know, in a smaller. You've only spent two hundred fifty k on this one. It's like wow, what for? Now it makes all sense because most people don't usually spend that much. But I think you've obviously run the numbers to make sure it stacks up. Yeah. Plus, there's even more upside. You said you can even start a title to get another upside of potentially selling that off to get your cash back. So it looks like you've really gone through and saying, okay, there's lots of different opportunities. Whereas most people go, yeah, it's just a buy and hold kind of thing. Well, the crazy thing as well was like 350 was considered a discounted price. So to then get it for 250 and the 200 I put, let's say I put, let's just say it's worst case and it is a 200 because that's where we're, we're running. Like uh, best case was 150, worst case was 200. Um, if, if different things needed to be fully replaced and we're actually going through the, the reno at the moment, it's already started. But let's say it's worst case at the 450 in, in terms of 250 purchase with a 200 grand reno, that property on completion, even if I didn't build it, just having that size land content as a corner block, like that's a six fifty seven hundred thousand dollars home, you know? So it's like, it seems huge. And like, yes, as a reno, as a reno cost base, it is huge, but like at 
when you work out all the numbers, it's just it's an absolute no-brainer. I mean, if you're the the value of the home is worth six fifty after your reno, you literally have got it way under market cost, and also too you factor that in, so you literally could say that you purchase at four fifty instead of worth at six fifty, yeah. which is yeah. it's a no-brainer, which, which makes sense. Like, I guess it's it's a risk appetite and risk profile for each investor because, as you said, this your investor wasn't initially interested in doing it um, because of the fact that there was too much of a risk, yeah. but because you've got experience and you've got thirty odd properties on your belt, you've done multiple developments, you've done multiple renovations. And I've already got the team there. As well. You've got the team as well. That's already done not as hectic renos, but pretty close, like pretty, 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 um, pretty gnarly ones as well. This is definitely the, the top of the pile, but I knew I had a team that could execute it for me as well. Coming up after the break, he shares how close this project is to being completed. The whole thing will be essentially like a brand new, essentially two-story house once it's finished, fully certified. How he finds the time to get everything done and still make time for breathing and sleeping. So people think like having a 30 or 40 property portfolio is a massive headache. He explains how property portfolios aren't too dissimilar to a weekday meal. Last year, it was, it was funny, we we're moving into these different areas and I bought a lot of, I call them bread and butter deals. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. interested in finding great deals like Sam Gordon does? If the answer is yes, then let Sam help you find them since he does this all day every day. When you work with Sam, he'll include a strategy session to help you put together an actionable property plan to help you build your portfolio just like him. Simply text 0499881040 and quote APS. Thanks to his incredible team with the renos and his discounted purchase prices, Gordon is no stranger to getting a property up and running quickly. This latest project is no different. We're around about halfway through now. I've probably got another about two or three months to, to fully finish it off. So essentially went through like a, a rebuild process of the structures of the home and then and, and then essentially like a full internal fit out, you know, again of the of the living areas kind of up and down as well. So So you literally gutted the inside to remove Oh, everything, man. Everything. Yeah, yeah. It's 200 grand, dude. It's, it's, it's a decent chunk. So, it's um, yeah, it's a, the whole thing. It'll be essentially like a brand new, essentially a two-story house once it's finished, fully certified. So, so are you saying that the reason why you kept it was because structurally the whole building itself was strong? Um, there's no issues with that roof and, you know, walls and all that kind of stuff. But inside, you just want to gutter it so you can actually redo a whole brand new layout so that way. Yeah. But what, what was it originally, um, the size of the house inside? It was just a three by one. It was it was so your old like um, weatherboard high set Queenslanders, right? So it's a three, three by one design. Underneath was like kind of semi built in and a garage, but not legal height. Um, but if you go through this rebuild process, you can actually essentially knock out that bottom level or lift it. And that's what you're going through. So you go through the lift, you rebuild, you re- actually rebuild the lower level stumps and, and, uh, and structures and whatnot there as well. And then kind of you can get that certified as actual additional living space. Put the carport out the front so you don't need the garage you put the carport out the front and then you essentially got a three by one and then a three by one underneath as well and uh yeah it's it's uh it's pretty crazy <laughs> that is phenomenal so the downstairs was it always enclosed off before like it was yes yes oh so all you're doing now is you've ripped all the walls up lifted it up restumped it and get legal height how much more did you guys have to lift it up by it wasn't actually that far off so 2400 is your, is your legal height limit right um i think it was running at about 2250 to 2300 you'd be silly not to do it <laughs> 
very close. Yeah, yeah. And that's why, like, sometimes you can you can target that stuff as well and 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 make good coin out of it. But it's it's tricky as well because certain um, slabs underneath you think you like we. I found this early again. This is why, like, sometimes a bit of a liability um, if you don't know what you're doing in this front. But there can be some slabs that are you know aren't compliant, um, and you can run into issues and have to repool the you know and that can add 15, 20 grand underneath. Um, and then you stump sometimes. It's not. It's just not as easy sometimes to be able to do this thing. That's why you need like these these builders that you can really trust and you've worked with. That's why that's why I was confident to take the project on. Um, but it is a cool little strategy. You can definitely do do. A lot with that as well so let's just say for example if you found out that this had stumping issues yeah. or the foundation wasn't solid enough would you have still done it or would you have walked away even if i'd knocked the house down and actually rebuilt i still probably would have made really good money on it so i still would have bought it um and i think that's what i was i was running everything making sure like what could be done on it like worst what's worst 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 case scenarios and everything but that's why i took the building and pest inspector and the builders along as well um yeah, man. So now we haven't had any issues, and it's already been it's already been stumped and everything. Now, like structurally, now she's sweet. Just got to got to do the fit out now. And internals is easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> once you once you get the hard part, because usually, say for example, I've worked in a few developments yeah. with a few developers, and it's getting into the ground is the hard. Yes. If it's building apartments, getting into the ground, if it's got rock there and you hit rock, you're in trouble, and that, that's going to cost a lot of money to get rid of it. Whereas if you have an easy smooth sailing to do the foundation, then yeah, everything else inside, you just yeah, just get it done. So. <laughs> So it sounds like you've really gone over that hump already and now you're all progressing really well. Yeah. So in about two or three months, I'll be ready and you'll be able to just rent it out. Yeah, man, I've got everything going through for the, the Strata subdivision and everything as well now. So it's uh, that's going to be a cool little project to, to knock over as well. I'm happy with that one. My question is, how do you find the time to do it? Especially when you're running the buyer's agency business, especially when you've got your portfolio to manage. Yeah. You know, It's no small feat to you definitely need like a, almost a full-time property manager to help you with regards to managing your properties. Yeah. Plus also developments meeting with builders etc how do you <laughs> again it comes down to having the right team right so um, in terms of managing my own portfolio I'm, I'm pretty lucky in the sense of what I do I have I have a full-time assistant um, with the with the buyers agency as well right so like she helps me a lot in terms of the property management side but there's there's actually a funny thing we'll go back to the other stuff in a sec but it's funny with that because um, I've, I've talked I don't I can't remember if I've spoken to you about this before but I, t- I speak, speak about it every every now and again in terms of like clustering properties so people think like having a 30 or a 40 property portfolio is a massive headache it probably would be if you had you know um, for each region or if you spread them right across let's say you had 20, 20 different locations with two properties in each and you had 20 different property managers, mate, that'd do your head in. But I think I've got, I think I've worked it out six or seven, maybe, uh, sorry, it might be seven or eight now in total in terms of property managers that I've got managing a 40, and it's not a 40 property portfolio. Um, it's like that strata subdivision one that I'm going, going through at the moment. I've got a lot of secondary dwellings. So I've got 40 properties, I've got about 55 rentals, um, but it's spread between, it's seven or eight property managers. So these guys know you're a huge part of their business and it's, 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 it's very good money for them. And we're also like, I'm a very uh, transactional, like I know what I'm doing when it comes to the rental side. Um, so we move quickly when things need to be fixed. I'm not like a painful owner, so to speak. Um, and they respect you and they work really hard for you on that front as well. Um, and if they don't, you give them the flick and you move them on to someone else you know, that you know is going to be able to do the job as well. So kind of clustering a portfolio that large with so few property managers that really want to look after your product you, you don't have as many headaches as you'd think. And I know people, they might have one, two, three properties. They probably have more headaches than I do um, with, with my portfolio um, because they might not have the right property manager or they're not managing the property manager correctly as well. Um, or they think when a couple of little maintenance things come through, it's the end of the world, um, which we all start with, you know, when we buy our first deal. But 
it's it's kind of having a little bit of thicker skin with that, actioning things quickly that need to be actioned or, you know, bidding things that don't need to be done. Um, yeah, and just managing it really effectively from that front. So it's not as as big a stress as, you, as you'd think. Um, I pretty much just have the assistant go through all the uh, statements and everything just to make sure everything's, everything's flush and everything's all good. But again, it's only seven or eight statements to, for that many properties over the year. So it's, it's, uh, it's pretty good, man. It's pretty tidy. Because I think what, what it sounds like you've done is you've been able to actually find a group of properties within, say, a region or area that you're expert in and then from there, you just continue to buy in those areas as soon as the market changes so that way you can actually get those deals and then you just continue to work with that same team because... I can't imagine if you had 40 properties split all across Australia, different builders, different property managers, it would be a nightmare to manage. But now that you've actually put it in that perspective, it makes more sense. So that, that's the reason why you've intentionally chose those areas because depending on the market cycle, you go back and buy more eventually. That's it. Yeah, for sure. And like, yeah, you've got those, those different people that, are, that you trust in there. It's the same thing you said before about like, how do you, how do you find the time to manage the builders and, and this and that and everything. And like realistically, the builders we use, like I, I use the same builders, pretty much cover me per state for, for the states that I operate in, which might be three builders across the whole country is all I need to deal with. They prioritize everything they do with us because we do so much business together. They always look after us. A lot of the time, we're, we're, there's, some, there's some quite decent builders that we work with. They're one of, like, we're pretty well their only client or one of their only clients because wow. there's so much volume that they know if they do a good job, they keep this and they just work on our stuff. Um, and it actually works really, really well. So they'll do our renos and they'll do our builds. Um, and it's just that that continual thing. So they just run everything for us a lot of the time. So we'll work with them a bit from the project management side. We've got an in-house project manager as well. So a lot of time I need to do very little like liaising with the two of them. Um, and then they'll run everything and they run everything for the clients. And then for me, I just I say, just look at me as a client, just run my stuff as well. <laughs> so it's just like, it all goes through and and uh, and yeah, man, it's, it works awesome. Like I love it. <laughs> it makes sense it, it, it's such a smart strategy so basically all your clients would probably also use the same resources and tools as you are yes. because that's what, how you get the volume through and then whenever you have a job for one of your properties you'll send it across yeah. and that's the reason why the builders like working with you because there's enough business for them it's pretty much full time for them that's it man it is it definitely is so that renovation sounds really amazing any other ones you want to share maybe a second one that you've recently um, been working on I've actually built in it's, it's actually quite funny man because I've built in quite a few of those similar style of deals maybe not on that level but where the ones come through and they might be decent little renovations so we we do quite a lot of um even like the secondary dwelling builds we're kind of talking about maybe not always like the the strata so actually putting on its own title but secondary dwelling sort of style deals where you're achieving those higher than average cash flows you know you got two rents on one title different things like that especially in an environment like now they're high interest rate environment you know these are one of the only plays that's coming in with a significant cash flow um so kind of last year it was it was funny we're moving into these different areas and i bought a lot of i call them bread and butter deals which are your your growth properties you know great location buy them below market value um all, all the good stuff on that but they don't have that additional lever to pull for the cash flow so they're great for i look at them they're my foundations we build the portfolio on yeah so you kind of scale with that but then when, when they've done their growth run, it's kind of the same as the one I sold south of Sydney. When they've done their growth run, I sell them off. And when I sell them off, I can either re-leverage into more deals or I use it for debt reduction. So a lot of people would look at portfolio my size and go, shit, he's got, a, let's say, a little over 20 mil portfolio. He's probably got you know 15 mil worth of debt. But I'm actually sitting at less than a, a 40, uh, sorry, less than a 50% LVR. And it's because I go through debt reduction and work it like this and buy in the right markets that grow. So I'd, I'd accumulated a lot of um, bread and butter style deals during uh, 2021. So especially, yeah, it was a lot of different markets starting their growth cycles. I was buying, buying in quite early. I was accumulating a lot of those. Um, 
And then this year, I was I was starting. I knew interest rates were starting, going to start making their run. I was like, oh, I'm going to start building in some additional cash flow. So I started moving towards more of these cash flow deals as well, building those into the portfolio, moving through the execution. Um, so like a, a large number of them would be very similar to say, um, yeah, the, a, a deal that I'll probably explain to you now would be um, <clears throat> low. Uh, thinking exact numbers, I'll just pull a pull a deal out that I'm thinking of right now. Three twenty five purchase price, fifteen thousand dollar Reno that went into it. Um, and then you might be building, depending on where you're building and the quality of what you build as well, because there's different states that you can build different quality products. Um, and when I say different quality, I mean different configurations. So some states you can actually get three bed, two bath, secondary dwellings in. You rent them for like the same as like a four bed, two bath in the same area because they're brand new. And so you're getting like this this huge income stream off this one this one asset type. Um, and so, yeah, we run through, I've run through quite a few deals like that. And so you might be building, again, because it's a bigger build um, and you might be building in brick on a slab, um, but a three bed, two bath. So you've also got an ensuite and bigger, bigger unit. So you might be building more in the high 100s for a product like that. So, you know, all in you might be say 500, 550, but you're getting, you know, 800 plus a week and you're pulling... Yeah, above eight percent yield. You've got these two dwellings, and, and they're both you know one's brand new, one's in good nick. So you've got depreciation side as well. So literally, yeah, you, know, you might be sitting at ten grand a year um, net passive, but then you've also got depreciation on it. So like you're not even you don't even yeah you declare the whole thing, but you're writing a massive portion of it off as well. Um, and so I just kind of went through a bit of an accumulation of those sort of style deals. Normally like bigger renos than say like a fifteen k one. But um, but yeah, they're the thing. Like I'll, I'll yeah, the fifteen k ones are actually great ones for clients. Um, so you might do those. But the bigger ones are the ones that I was kind of picking up this year. That comes through needs a full gut. Might might not have anyone in the books as like you know it's a fifty sixty thousand dollars. You might strip the whole thing out. Two new bathrooms, kitchen, full repaint, refloor. You know, full kit and caboodle on these things. That's a bit too much for you know the the investor. Yeah. They might go. It's a bit too much. They won't put in. A bit too much, especially on like a little project like that where they're putting in the extra for the secondary dwelling as well. And um, but yeah, building those out and and again they're like kind of eight eight percent plus yields, um, depending on the areas because. Um, yeah, some of them that I'm doing are like right near the beach. So you're doing right near the beach. I might take a slightly lesser cash flow because I also know it's, it's for one exceptional growth location, but also in a very desirable location, um, you know, pocket beach wise and whatnot as well. So I might take a slightly less on the, on the yield. Cause I know I'm going to get a, an above average uh, growth rate on that thing as well. So it's just been, yeah, it's a, it's a funny accumulation of that sort of stuff. And, and yeah, like I was saying, yeah, picking through the stuff, it's like eh, probably a bit too big for a client. I'll just, I'll just kind of pick that thing up. So you mentioned, um, say your portfolio is at about 20% or uh, 20 mil at the moment. What kind of rental or average return you're getting across the portfolio at the moment? Because if interest rates are going up as they've gone up close to the seven mark, yeah. Does that, the portfolio I'm assuming covers enough of all the debt and so forth to be able to do what you need to do? Yeah, so my portfolio is still very, very positive, like very heavily positive, even though we've had a lot of, uh, of, of obviously increases in terms of rates. Um, <clears throat> the amount of cash flow that the portfolio generates, because obviously as well, I've accumulated so much over the years that a lot of my stuff, like I said before, is at a very low debt level. Um, and then I do these higher than average cash flow plays as well. And some of the deals that I've bought that when I did the deal were, you know, maybe eight or 9% in terms of a yield, there's been so much rental growth as well, price growth and rental growth, that now those things are eight or 9% with the rental growth come through, they're, they're now at like 15%. There's, I've got some now that on purchase price are over 20% yields. And this is where a lot of people, they take that short-term view of like, oh, it's only seven and a half or maybe it's eight or something like that in terms of a percent. And they, they deliberate on it. And it's like, you've got to look at like, what's it going to be sitting at in five years? You know, and, and, and when those when those rental rates go up, because um, that's one of the big things. And I think a lot of people have missed lately the fact that when inflation rises at a, heck, you know, a pretty intense level that like we're going through at the moment, a lot of the time 
rents, which is a household expense, also climb quite rapidly as well. So it's it's almost like a it's a double edged sort of thing here, which is there's good and bad that comes with it. So everyone's focusing on the bad side, but I'm looking at the good side of it, going, this is this is. This is awesome as well. <laughs> because that's the thing. It's time then really. The longer you have your portfolio, the more it actually grows. Yes. And especially when you said debt reduction due to the fact that it's capital growth, yeah. you've been paying down the debt as well. That allows you to have a really, really positive portfolio. And it's just a matter of time. You know, if you said 13 years, that's you know, not long at all when you compare it to what, how many other people study in medicine for 15, 20 years. They could have built a, built a portfolio like yours and not have to even work. <laughs> it's crazy what you can achieve in couple of years and then in 10 years what you can achieve in a decade if you commit to this thing is honestly mate it would blow almost everyone's mind if you literally mapped it out properly of we're starting with this amount this is what we do if you really committed to it what you can do in two five ten years is insane learn a lot from the episode, stay tuned for future episodes where Sam Gordon and I will continue to share with you more property stories from his own journey. Also, did you know when you work with Sam, he'll include a strategy session to help you put together an actionable property plan to help you build your portfolio just like him. Having a solid plan is the difference between success and failure. Simply visit australianpropertyscout.com.au and fill out the contact form or text 04 9988040 and quote APS. Thanks for listening. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com tapiphone.